Well, hello everyone. So I know I've already had an introduction, uh, and some of you probably know me a little bit already, because like I said, I've been around uh, a little bit. Uh, but I want to start by getting to know some of you. Uh, and I want to do it by way of what I think is a pretty important question. Who here has heard about God before? Raise your hand. Uh, be it through youth group, right? Scripture at school, a friend, anything. If you've heard about God, raise your hand. Okay, now keep your hand raised. If you have ever been reading through your Bible or hearing at youth group, and your first reaction to something that God says is, yeah, I don't know really about, I don't really know about that one, God. Great, you can put your hands down now. Well, goodness knows I have. My hand is well and truly up. And that may seem strange to you, having your speaker from youth group tell you that they read something in the Bible and their first reaction was to be uncertain or unsure. Um, disclaimer, I'm not trying to say that I don't believe what's written in the Bible. In fact, I wholeheartedly believe that every single word of it is true. But I am saying that sometimes uh, I hear what the Bible is asking me to do and my first thought is, please no, I do not want to do that. Maybe, for you, it's that God has called you to do something you have no interest in doing. Perhaps you read God's call to suffer for the gospel, and you have to ask yourself, why am I continuing to go to school and stand up for Christ when all I get is bullying? Maybe, instead, it's because God has called you not to do something that otherwise you would want to do. Perhaps God's call to live a Christ-like life means that even though you want to go to that party or do that thing your friends are doing or take that drink, maybe uh, that you know that you cannot do that and maybe that's where you take your stand against God. Now, it's not as uncommon a problem as you might think. We often have this picture when we think of God's followers, that they're these men and women with undying loyalty that will blindly follow God wherever he tells them to go. But we also see another picture of God's followers, a more realistic picture, a picture of people like Jonah. Now, the book of Jonah is a story that's revealed to us in the Bible, and it's meant to give us an example of some of the realities and hardships of being a sinful person who is following a good God. Now, there's some debate in scholarly circles as to whether the events in the book are historical or whether they're just a nice story uh, that we read about but didn't actually happen. Now, I'm more than happy to talk to any of you about that at any point during this week. Just come find me. But the important thing for us is that whether Jonah was or wasn't real, he is still a very, very interesting character who teaches us some very, very important lessons. Now, Jonah was a prophet. You might have heard of the prophets before. They're a group of people who were around long before Jesus was. Uh, and God used the prophets to share his message with the world. Now, 
The role of a prophet is as the mouthpiece of God. He spoke to his people using the prophets. Jonah chapter 1 intercepts the story of one such prophet, Jonah, son of Amittai. In the first two verses of Jonah chapter 1, well, they begin very much how we expect them to. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and he is given a command. We read, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. God calls Jonah. And more importantly, God gives him a task. When God calls his prophets in the Old Testament, this is the kind of scenario that we expect. It's not a butt dial, it's intentional. God sends Jonah to Nineveh because that is what he, God, wants to happen. God has a plan that somehow involves his message getting to Nineveh and Jonah the prophet delivering it. This is the first small way which we see a picture of Christians and a picture of ourselves in Jonah. We are not prophets, right? But regardless, there are things that God has asked us to do. Now, they may seem a little different from go to Nineveh and preach the word of God, but they're still pretty massive commands to suffer for the gospel, to live a life like Christ, to give up yourself. More obvious to us might be things like do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths or do everything without grumbling or arguing. The list goes on. And God called Jonah to do his work just as God calls us to do his work. Now, when we look at the example that Jonah gives us uh, of what it might look like to be a follower of God, we also see that we're like Jonah in another pretty key way. Jonah did not want to do what God had called him to do. Let me elaborate a little bit. Nineveh, the place where Jonah was sent, was really, really bad. Like, really bad. Worse than double English on a Friday afternoon bad. It's pretty bad. Um, Nahum, one of the other prophets we read about in the Bible, calls it the city of bloodshed. That is how he refers to Nineveh. There's lots of stories I could tell you, but I didn't want to pick the more gruesome or graphic ones. So instead, I've picked one of the nicer things they did. There are historical records, even outside of the Bible, of mass executions where 3,000 captives were taken and burnt alive at once. Pretty awesome. Nineveh was basically, at this point in time, the capital city of God's enemies, Assyria. And so naturally, Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. And this is the crux of Jonah chapter 1. God presents his will to Jonah, and Jonah disagrees. This winds up with Jonah fleeing to Tarshish, right? He makes the decision that this time, rather than follow God's instruction, he is going to run the other way, physically and metaphorically, right? Jonah tried to run physically away from God by getting on a boat and sailing in the opposite direction, but he also tried to run 
Uh, but he, also, he was also scared to do what God had called him to do. And so he moved spiritually further away from God. He decided on his own path rather than God's. He sailed to Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now, I want you to imagine for a second, you might want to close your eyes, that there are no consequences to what Jonah did. Jonah's decision might even look to us like a good decision. I mean, it certainly looked like that to Jonah. I mean, think about it. It has all the signs of what makes a good decision, right? It was brave in the face of freedom. I mean, he didn't endure the storm because it was easy. It was for his, it was for his freedom, right? He tracked his own path. He denied his own comfort to undertake it. I mean, sailing to Tarshish wouldn't have been cheap or pleasant, and it would have meant leaving a lot behind. In actual fact, however, Jonah's decision does have consequences, and therefore, it's the wrong decision. It's important to note this, because in a vacuum, sin looks good. I mean, why else would people do it? When you choose to put that person down, or say that thing, it might very well be a brave decision. It might push you outside of your comfort zone. It might be for your personal freedom. But that action doesn't happen in a vacuum. And there are consequences. Even though sin looks good, it's still wrong. And it's wrong for one main reason. What Jonah wants does not line up with what God wants. If given the opportunity, and that's kind of what God gives him, the instructions that Jonah gives himself, that he places on his own life, are not the instructions that God gives him. They're the exact opposite, in fact. Jonah not only makes a decision to do what he wants to do, he makes a decision about God. That God cannot be the judge of him, and that he can be the judge of God. I mean, Jonah makes this decision in which what he says, functionally, is, God, you do not have any authority to tell me what is right and wrong. But Jonah looks at God and says, God, you're wrong. I, Jonah, am telling you, a sovereign God, that I know best and you made the wrong decision. Jonah judges God and he decides that God is in the wrong. Crazy, right? Jonah's punching just a little bit above his weight class right now. I mean, we can look at why. It's pretty easy to think about why, because we fall, all fall into exactly the same trap. Just like us, Jonah's sinful. And sin isn't just something that we do. Sin is a condition of the heart. It means that the things Jonah wants, the things that he desires, the instructions that he would place on his own life if given the option, they're not what God desires. The things that we might desire... Wealth, freedom, to be accepted by our peers, a romantic relationship, even happiness, right? Those things that we want aren't necessarily what God wants. The things that we think are best for us might not be the things that actually are best for us 
or best for God's kingdom. This is what Jonah is faced with right here in this chapter, and it results in a choice. Is God the judge of him, or is he the judge of God? Unfortunately, Jonah chooses wrong, and that's pretty clear, as soon as you think about it. I mean, who has more authority to decide what's best? Jonah, who is really just some dude? Or God, a sovereign God, who knows everything, everywhere, for all of every when? As Christians living in the world today, it can be so, so hard to follow God's instructions for our lives. Because like Jonah, we are sinful too. Our will, the things that we want, the instructions that we place on our own lives are so vastly, vastly different from God's instructions. It is really, really hard to follow God's will. And sometimes, actually, it's even harder how disheartening it can be. You know, I'm supposed to be a follower of God, but I can't even have patience with my younger siblings. I'm supposed to be a follower of God, and yet my whole life is based on this. I mean, I find myself, I find me telling myself that stuff all the time. Another is you might find yourself longing. I wish that I wanted to follow God, because I know that it's important but actually, it's really hard to want to follow him. I thank God that we have a story like Jonah chapter 1. Because it tells us that even God's followers, even his prophets, they struggle with not wanting to follow him sometimes. No matter how well you know God, or how well you think you know God, or how good of a Christian you are, or think you are, you aren't above having desires and plans that are going to conflict with God constantly. This is the thing that I find we often leave out when we talk about following God. We all know that following God is hard work, that it's something we have to work at. But we also need to work at wanting to follow God. It's just as hard to want to follow God. You might find it hard, for example, to keep unwholesome talk out of your mouth. You might find that it's difficult not to gossip or slander or swear or whatever it may be. Even harder, though, is that at the same time, you might not want to stop those things. You might be comfortable with gossip. You might enjoy slander. You might swear because it's fun. Not only is it hard for us as Christians to follow God, it's hard for us to want to follow Him. In Philippians, we read, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Now, God is helping us to improve in two ways here, both at acting with our actions for His good purpose, but also in our will so that we might want His good purposes. It's not just something that you're automatically good at because you decide to be good at it. It's a work in progress through God, and God is working in us through His Holy Spirit. Now, it's important for us to remember that even God's followers, like Jonah, disagree with God sometimes. And that means that you won't always find it easy to follow Him, and you won't always find it easy 
to want to follow him. Disagreeing with God doesn't mean that you aren't a real Christian, right? Because even for God's followers, following God and wanting to follow God is a constant work in progress. It will be foolish to read this chapter, though, and not heed the obvious warning. Even though it may be hard, it's something that we need to aspire to. The Holy Spirit works in us so that we might get better at following God and so that we might want to follow Him. So today I want to challenge you, and your small group leaders will ask you this question in small groups, which will be very soon. What is that something that you are yet to submit to God's will? What thing in your life are you doing for yourself or are you tempted to do for yourself that you know God has called you to cast aside? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we read your word, uh, we have a story in the Bible like Jonah chapter 1 where we as Christians can read about a follower of you even though he knew you, who struggled to want to follow you. We pray that you help us today uh, as we discuss that to think about what things might make it hard for us to follow God and what things might make it hard for us to want to follow God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.